0: This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome back to the WOMED. The countdown to the end of season two is here. This is the second to last episode, and I am so grateful to share future doctor and Madam President sorry, not sorry, I just love saying it, say, Oboe. She is such an incredible force and storyteller. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I enjoyed it so much, we actually had to record it twice, thanks to a little Zoom malfunction. But nonetheless, I got to hear her story more than once, so I'm grateful for that. This year has definitely been one for the books, but I'm bringing you some personal NDE again this week. I'm so grateful to be a nurse because it opens up so many career paths for you. You can go to and from different fields. I love injecting people, but I also found myself missing hands-on patient care. Long story short, I decided I needed to pick up a PRN position in a plastic surgery center where I get to be hands-on with patients pre-op, post-op, and in the OR. I feel so balanced and I love being there to assure my patients' needs are met. Keep sending your NDE moments to me or leave them in the review section. Now let's go. All right. I wanted to welcome back to the WOMED because I had a major recording glitch on my end. And and it was awesome enough to re-record with me so welcome back to the Wilmed, madam president and almost dr oboe um here we go for <laughs> take you. two
1: all right
0: <laughs> <laughs> i really wanted to get that joke back in there and so i just was like yep. i'm just gonna throw it back in there right
1: away <laughs> you know it's all, it's all good <laughs>
0: Speaking of the Madam Vice President, I had a dream last night, so I'm going to speak this out into existence and hope that it happens, that I met Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, and she was so sweet in my dream. And she was like, I would love to come on the WOMED and talk about the COVID plan.
1: Oh, whoa.
0: That was my dream. That would be epic. Right? So. She- I'm, I'm manifesting it now, <laughs> even though in my dream I acted like a just a like a fangirl the whole time. So hopefully I wouldn't do that this time. But anyways, back to the topic at hand, I actually had a request to have a med student on the podcast. So I'm just so grateful we were able to make this work and make it work again. Why don't you just tell me a little bit about yourself and where you are in med school?
1: Yeah, so I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, my name is Asa Say. Um, I am a fourth year medical student. I have like five months left till graduation, which is super exciting. But I'm a fourth year medical student at Michigan State University College of Human Medicine, uh, currently based out in Flint, Michigan, where I had the honor of doing my clinical uh, rotations the past two years. Right now, I'm in the process of going through my residency interviews, which has been really tiring, but exciting at the same time. They're all virtual, thanks to the pandemic, you know, so I've just been interviewing with different programs and learning about all they have to offer, why I should come there. So it's definitely a different vibe than when I applied to med school. When I'm applying to med school, you're just like, please, somebody, please, can you, can you you Just please take me, you know? Yeah. And so for residency, it's like, no, we need you. We want you. Let me show you why this is the best place for you to be. Let me tell you why this is a great fit. So it kind of feels good to be on this other side and being, you know, wanted. So it's, it's, it's definitely been an interesting process. I have one interview left. I think I'm tired, you know, I think I'm done with the interviewing. I think I know where, what I, I'm starting to know like what feels like a good fit. And I think I, have enough options to rank before match day. So. Oh
0: my God. That's amazing. So Mm -hmm. how many interviews have you had so far? Would you say?
1: I've had 11. Oh my
0: goodness. And those are not, that's not like a short process. That's not like I'm going to go in and interview and maybe an hour later, you know, I'll, I'll be done or half hour tops.
1: No, it's (laughs) definitely not. Like, so Essentially, the whole residency process is that you apply into whatever specialty you feel is best for you. Um, I think the norm is that you should always try to apply to more than 25 programs unless you feel like you're super competitive or you don't want to leave your area. Maybe you, you're married or something and your partner isn't in medicine and they, they want to stay in a certain area. So you're going to work your butt off to network and try to conquer down and make sure you get all the opportunities within your um, location. Mm -hmm. So I applied um, into the field of internal medicine. And so once you apply, all of the programs get to access your application on one day. And because of COVID, normally it's in September. This year was in October, which was like super late, was shortened, kind of like truncated interview season. So normally interviews go from October through January. But this time it was like barely the end of October, if anyone even got an interview in by that point, through like early February you kind of wait until you get invited on interviews. And so once you get invited on interviews, out of all the interviews you you get invited to, you have to rank them yourself from one to whatever. So I really don't want to rank more than 10 because I'm like, the reality is you want to rank where you would actually be happy going Mm -hmm. because you you never know how the chips might fall, right? So I don't really want to rank more than 10, but I'm probably going to rank all the places I interviewed at. All those programs will rank me and... In 99 days, <laughs> um, in 99 We're not days, counting, not counting. You, know, yeah, yeah, you know, the programs like they, they, we have to both submit our, our lists and then it goes in the computer and it matches us up based on like kind of who ranks you the highest and who you rank the highest. And so in 99 days, I'm going to get an email or an envelope. I don't know how they're doing it because of the pandemic, but you open it and you find out where you're going for the next three or however long, um, the training is for your specialty. So that's like the general process. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say like the pandemic really changed it because normally I'd be traveling to these places. Um, so I would get to walk through the hospital and meet residents yeah. in person, have like a pre-interview dinner, open bar, wine and dine me because you want it, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> because yeah. that's not there, they're doing it all through Zoom. So it's like hours long. So maybe the day before an interview, I might have a two hour, zoom social where they say like you know bring your drink or whatever the programs that are really cush why don't send they like, like postmates me. you oh okay i was yes, just gonna say <laughs> yes. you know you gotta get yeah. creative i'm like if you want mm-hmm. me you gotta wine and dine me baby exactly so, yeah so the- don't save the- this
0: for the the athletic scholarship type people that get wined and dined in cars and stuff like
1: that i, like- mean, I mean i don't even know what that looks like now you know true True. Because like people were like institutions were hit. And so money gets tied up in different places where it was more free flowing before. Mm-hmm. So I know not all programs were able to do that, but some did. And it was very it's it's like of course very well received. But then right. the actual interview day, they're kind of showing you like the hospital, breaking down like their curriculum, the pay, the city, because they have to sell everything, mm-hmm. you know, that you get good benefits, that we help you prepare for your board exams and we pay for this, we pay for that, you know, to to make sure that you're getting all the things that are in your priority list covered. So three to five hours, I think of actual interview day with maybe a two hour social before. So it's a lot of time on the computer. A lot. And then just trying
0: to base off, I mean, cities just feel so different in person too. So it's just like, Oh, it's hard. It's hard to base that decision off of, off of a zoom call.
1: Right, it really is, but I mean, you do your best, and like I think for me, like I just try to talk to more people outside of the interview, so some people mm. will share their contact information for us to reach out to, and vice versa.
0: Oh, well, that's really helpful, so you said that you are applying for internal med positions. What brought that passion? like why did you decide on internal med?
1: Yeah, so I think for me, um internal medicine is like. They're like the storytellers of medicine. You're such a storyteller. <laughs> you know, so it seems like a good fit, right? So internal medicine doctors, I mean, they get to see everything, the the full gamut of pathology from, you know, from cardio to GI. And so you have to kind of, you get to use the things that you kind of studied during medical school. So I think one, I'm a very broad person. Like I have my hands in a lot of things. Um, like, I'm a photographer. I love, I like to sing at church. Um, you know, I'm in medicine. I like social media and content creating. I love to read, I love to travel. So because I like to do a lot of things, I do a lot of things well. It just, it also made sense for me to go into a career that kind of helped me to keep my knowledge base broad. And so that was one of the things. Um, internal medicine doctors also are kind of like the ones that while they're the storytellers, they get to get the history and the physical and get the full picture of the patient. They have to be able to retell that story to others that might help out that patient. So they're like the bridge, right? To like mm-hmm. sub-specialized care. Like if a patient needs surgery, I'm going to have to be able to paint the picture of these are the symptoms. This is the urgency. This is why this patient needs your services and be able to kind of connect them, even if it's social work or physical therapy or whatever. And so I think I, I really enjoy that aspect of it as well. And then lastly, I think internal medicine, if there was ever anything that I wanted to Subspecialize into internal medicine is kind of like the platform or the launching point for you to do that. So if I wanted to do cardiology, I'd have to go through internal medicine first. If I wanted to do GI, nephrology, whatever, all of the subspecialties that are not like surgical, I'd Mm -hmm. have to go through internal medicine. So it just seemed like a good, a good fit for me for sure.
0: What's a subspecialty that is kind of on your mind that you might possibly
1: think about going into one day? I love. Food. And I wouldn't say this is the best way to choose a career, but um, <laughs> I'm definitely a foodie. And I have always, let me not say always, but I love to give guidance on like just how to eat better in terms of like nutrition, how to increase fiber in your diet. I loved when I was um, in my second year of medical school, I loved learning how our body processes food through the gut and how just how our gut works. And I think there's, it's so broad because your gut is basically from your mouth to your butt. yeah real it's the whole tract you know you already know and so I think that that was one place that kind of uh caught my eye a little bit so definitely interested in gastroenterology and just like learning more and seeing what that looks like
0: yeah well there's so many I mean there's so many thought processes and theories and research that a lot of major diseases and everything like that all stem from your gut and like what you're putting into your body like, gut health is, like, arguably one of the most important things, in my opinion. Definitely,
1: definitely. It's very, I mean, it's not as slept on as it was before, but I will say it's, right. people are definitely starting to realize how important it is to focus on that.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I want to talk about the Student National Medical Association. And we kind of talked, well, we talked about this a lot last time, but no one heard that episode because <laughs> Zoom and its record function is. I'm still bitter, Um, (laughs) but you are president of the Student National Medical Association. Tell me a little bit about that organization.
1: Ugh, the SNMA. It was kind of like a tongue twister when I uh, first learned about it. It was a tongue twister for me too. (laughs) Yeah, um, this the SNMA, the Student National Medical Association, is one. It's an organization that's so near and dear to my heart. Um, It's a nonprofit that has been around for almost 60 years that focuses on diversifying the face of medicine. I think more than ever during this pandemic, we saw like how, you know, COVID was really hitting a lot of underprivileged uh, communities across the nation. Mm -hmm. And so one, this organization, like our mission is to kind of address the needs of, of those kind of communities. Our mission is to, is to be a resource and to serve current and future um, minority medical students. Um, so that's whether you're in, in high school, preschool, whatever. If you, if you think you want to pursue medicine um, and you're a minority, we're, we're there to serve you and support you. But also a lot of our programs and the, all the things that we do, the fuel behind it is because we want to help in the creation of clinically excellent, socially conscious, and culturally competent positions. And I think that's so important yes. for what we need, you know, in this country today. And so, I mean, I, I kind of worked my way up through the ranks, I guess, before being um, voted um, or elected into the position of president-elect and then president. But just like another tidbit, a lot of people don't know like how big the organization is. Yeah. So we have like, we have, like 10 regions all across the continental United States and the Caribbeans. Well, then it's actually not continental, is it? Because Hawaii isn't there too. So that's yeah. the United States. Okay. The
0: Caribbean. <laughs> um, just broad, broad. You
1: know, just broad. Um, yeah. With 140 medical school chapters and about 110 pre-med chapters um, in universities and colleges across the country. So we have uh, like almost 7,000 members. Wow. Yes. And alumni. So it's a big undertaking, I think, mm-hmm. to be in a leadership position within the organization. Um, our headquarters are in DC. And so we have a great staff, um, an executive director that's really helping us to, you know, to do like the groundwork uh for the ideas and the programs and things that we want to launch, especially in this virtual arena. Um, mm-hmm. but our board member are we have like 40 med students that run this board that are literally running a business while in medical school, which I think is such a huge feat. So that's super. just
0: phenomenal.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm just super excited to have been able to work with such a strong team, especially this year. It was a very difficult year for for many of us. So I'm very honored to work with them.
0: I just wish that mission were a part of medical school itself.
1: Right, right.
0: You know, I mean, every every day I'll read like a different Instagram post or um news article and it's talking about, you know, personal stories. Of, you know, I I guess the most recent one, a woman was in there with, um, her wife was having a colonoscopy and she was taking care of her. She had Asian heritage, but was very white passing. And like a week later, she went in for the same procedure. um, But because she's black, like she got like half the anesthesia. She was like awake the whole time. And just like the stark disparities in between That treatment that was offered to both women, and I'm just like,
1: (laughs) she was awake the whole time.
0: She, I mean, yeah, she was sedated like mildly, but she's like, I was awake. Like, I felt everything. They were talking to me. They just told me to deep breathe.
1: Oh my gosh!
0: Like that's that's not medicine. That's not how you practice medicine. That's not the care of the patient at at the heart of it. And it's so frustrating that. That mentality is still there. You know, it's still there for, you know, somehow people thought that persons of African American descent, black people, B I P O C women on like especially with childbirth, don't feel pain as much.
1: Yeah, there's 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 so many layers to it and so many places I think that still haven't been noticed or researched where, mm-hmm. you know, systemic racism really plays a role in the care. So, I mean, hopefully after this year, like I know people are starting to talk about it more. Like, hopefully it's not that it's just a trend, right? But that it actually that this year actually sparks much needed change.
0: Yeah. Oh well, I think what you are doing with the SNMA is just so valuable. Okay, friends, it's the holidays. That can be a very lonely time for a lot of people, and many of you are working on the front lines. Burnout rates are climbing, and I can only imagine what will happen when we come out of the other side of this pandemic and y'all can hopefully finally breathe. That being said, your mental health is more important now than ever. I encourage you all to think about checking out BetterHelp. BetterHelp helps this podcast run. It's an online counseling platform that provides you with access to licensed professional counselors, who specialize in areas like depression, relationships, trauma, LGBTQ matters, grief and anxiety. The best part about BetterHelp in my opinion is that you have access to your counselor from the comfort and privacy of your own home. You can call, text, video chat your counselor and sign up for virtual sessions. I Personally, it didn't quite match with my first counselor, and BetterHelp made it very easy to switch counselors and connect me with someone that I meshed way more with. Everything is confidential, and it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling. Also, financial aid is available, so they really knock out a lot of excuses. One thing to note, this is not a crisis line, but if you have been considering therapy or you're struggling right now, I wholeheartedly encourage you to go to BetterHelp. It's helped me out a lot. I want you to start living a happier life today. And as a listener, you'll get ten percent off your first month by visiting our sponsor at BetterHelp.com/WoMed. Join over one million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp. That's H-E-L-P.com/WoMed. When can people join that organization?
1: Yeah, so we have so many different types of membership, but students can join the organization from once they know that they're like, they're, they're a pre-med, like they want to get support and resources on how to get to medical school. So if you're in college or if you're in high school, honestly, if you have middle-aged, middle school kids, you can help them to become a member um, through our site at smma.org. dot um, and then whatever programs kind of fit uh for them, they can attend. And especially in this virtual world, a lot of our programs are online and easily accessible. So anyone can attend anyone can become a member. Even if you just want to be a supporter, you can be a member of the organization. Cause it's kind of more so like a donation. You're donating membership. Mm-hmm. So lots of different ways to get involved with us for sure.
0: Uh so how did you kind of work your way up? Through the ranks and be noticed so much through this nationally broad organization, and be like, no, I Ossisi is president. She is, she's what we need.
1: Yeah, so I mean, it was a very interesting process because I know I came to med school just thinking like I'm going to be a part of destiny, and I want to make sure that I can help them you know, just build their brand and become more Mm -hmm. noticed. And at the time, as a professional photographer, when I started, I still am. But I knew that for my local chapter, at least because every chapter has their own board um, and they do their own programming that are in line with the mission of the organization. And so I came to this first board and was like, you know, I'm going to I can give my, my photography skills so at least we can show our institution why it's important to support our chapter. And also show the community that we are here, you know? And so I started out just like being like the PR person. And also on the, at the broader level, I wanted, I um, became a fellow. They have so many leadership programs through the SNMA. And one of them was, if you thought you might want to be, you might be interested in being a leader in the future. So I, I applied and got a position as one of the future leadership fellows for my region, where I got to just learn more about the constitution and bylaws of the organization, the different positions and just the inner workings of the SNMA. And it also gave me an opportunity to be on the regional board um, of directors as well uh, to kind of see how students run that position and balance Mm -hmm. it with like school. And so I was doing kind of all these things at once throughout first year, just to get my feet wet and just to understand and see where I could see myself. And My effect, the effect that I had on my own local chapter with just taking quality pictures, telling the story, shopping it around to like our communications director of the university um, and getting them to share it and share it out to alumni and whatever. It was so effective in getting the institution to be invested in the organization. And so like our org at school, at least, blew up and it was like really noticeable. Now we had, because the school was behind us, whenever we wanted to go to like the annual conference for the SNMA, it's expensive and it's normally, it's normally, it's always, it's always moving. It's always in a different place. Mm-hmm. And so they funded like over 30 students to come. And that is like unheard of, of a school wow. funding students to go to this conference, even though it's such a big deal. And right. it's, a, it's a conference that can change your life because so many residency program directors come so many medical school admissions officers come. So you get the opportunity to have FaceTime with the people that can offer you an invitation to interview, you know? And so everyone wants to go, everyone wants to network with each other and their future colleagues and maybe find their husband in the the group, (laughs) you know? And so it's like thousands of people come to that conference every year, but again, it's expensive for students. So Mm -hmm. um, for us to be able to have accomplished that was huge. Um, And so kind of from there, I think like my regional, the regional leadership was like, Hey, you should think about, you know, Applying to be national on um, one of the national leadership positions, um, and so again, I just I kind of whenever I, I going into any position of leadership, I kind of think about like what I can bring to the table. And at the time, I was still not confident in my understanding of the org and mm-hmm. you know how to all the reports you have to write and submit and review and budgets and all these things. So I knew at least you know I, I got the branding, I got that part down. So let me offer this as well. So mm-hmm. I ended up um, applying to be. Their external affairs committee chair, which is which is a position that sits on the national board of directors, and that person kind of just works with like building external partnerships and like handling the social media and thinking up creative ways to market the organization and all of that. And so, I ended up getting that, and that was my first year on the board of directors. And I guess just by the work that I did, a lot of people started tapping me on the shoulder, like, "Hey, I think you should consider, you know, running for president. I think that might be the next best step for you." Um, and so after a couple shoulder taps, I was like, you know what, I'm going to do it. So I ended up running and running is a whole thing of its own. Cause you have to go and say a speech to each of the regions at the national conference. So you're speaking to like thousands of people. So I have probably gave at least 12 to 13 speeches. Oh my um, God. Yeah. And we have like a house of delegates session and you got to give speeches, do Q and a, alumni are in there and so they're grilling you and like asking you to recite the mission and you know all of these things are important. Like if you're gonna be mm-hmm. president you need to know what the heck you're doing and what you're what you're getting into. Right. So I I guess I did I guess I persuade the masses enough for them to vote for me enough for me to win out or beat my um opponent at the time. So here we are.
0: At any point where you're like, oh my God, I'm in med school and I'm doing all of this other stuff what am I doing? Like, should I, like, is it too much?
1: You know, I I think occasionally when I'm feeling overwhelmed, that might come to mind, but Mm -hmm. it never came to mind unless someone like asked me, like, how are you doing all of this? Because even in the beginning in my first year of med school, like I started shooting for my school. I sent them my portfolio of work that I had done that was similar for other universities in California. And then they ended up hiring me on a case-by-case basis for different events and stuff to photograph them, which is great, especially for the events that I was going to anyways. So I got paid Mm -hmm. to be there, you know? Yeah. Um, So I was always doing something, but it was always in line with the things that I was passionate about. Mm -hmm. So it never truly felt like work unless I was just like overloaded with administrative stuff, you know? But creating ideas, photographing people, talking and hearing other people's stories, figuring out new programs to improve our pipeline of students to get into medicine. You know, all of those things were things that were fun for me because they were things that I was passionate about. So I don't think it ever, it never really crossed my mind. Like you doing all this and med school. I just tried to make my schedule make sense mm-hmm. where I studied more than I did other things, but yeah, it's all about balance for sure.
0: What I've come to, I mean, granted, we have not met in person yet, which I hope happens someday. but what I've come to love about you from you know researching you and studying like your instagram um i just I love your creative spirit so much. I love the, how you i mean you're such a beautiful writer, your blog is beautiful, you're an incredibly talented photographer, and you just like I said earlier you're you are a storyteller, and I just feel. Like all of these things are just going to make you like the best doctor. I feel like some of the greatest doctors I've ever worked with or had personally had that creative spirit. Like they, their artistic mind and their scientific brain just melded together to create this like super brain. And I feel like you have a super brain.
1: <laughs> <laughs> huh? <laughs> Thank you for that. I always love to hear how people like see me because sometimes I'm just like, I <laughs> don't even know how I'm here, but I'm here. So hi.
0: <laughs> okay. So you, you last time we talked a lot about your photography and I just think it's, it's so important because it, I feel like you can kind of get put into a box of, oh, I'm a doctor. Doctors can't do this. Doctors can't do this. Why are you doing all this other stuff? You're a doctor, you know, and you're just so outside the box. How does that help you kind of calm your anxiety, kind of explore different parts of yourself all while in med school? Oh,
1: there's one thing that you spoke to that I wanted to speak to first, and then I might have you repeat that question because I'll probably forget what I've been talking. <laughs> uh, but I think when I was graduating college, like I'm, I'm Nigerian. My parents immigrated from Nigeria, so I'm first generation American. And, you know, they didn't know anything outside of being a doctor, being an engineer, being a lawyer. Those were like the three fields that they were like, you will for sure have money to have a roof over your head. You will be safe. Mm-hmm. So that's all you have. Those are your options. So when they, shot, when they saw me shooting and like, you know, photographing people, when I say shooting, sometimes people are like, wait, what? Oh, um, I am. <laughs> <laughs> but when they saw me, you know, spending time doing that, they were so concerned. Like, you're distracted. What are you doing? You can't be doing this. This is wasting your time. What's going on with you? What's going on? And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, I, it took me a while to kind of grapple with that. It was like an internal, just struggle. Like, like, can I be both, mm-hmm. you know? And so even back then, I think I was on Instagram. I made two different ones. I made one for photography. I called it shots of bliss. That's is what it I still active? Cause I'm going to
0: call, I'm going to follow no, it. No, <laughs> it
1: girl, it, is dumb. It, oh, it was too much. I think I had it for a year and like, I feel like it was just taking away from the fun of Instagram. Mm-hmm. you know of just like i just post when i want how i want say what i want you know like it's just it's my social media i can do it's my corner then i can post what i want you know so mm-hmm. i think by trying to think like okay let me post my photography here so i can sell myself on this side i just couldn't do it and it and i think the the the, the breaking point for me was like you know what why can't i be all of these things at once like i am all of these things it's not a different us to say taking these photos and the different artists I studying for this MCAT and in this chem class, like this is all the same person. Mm-hmm. And I think, and it's okay for us to be that way, you know? And so I think once I like had that realization for myself, which it sounds like, it sounds like something, it sounds like common sense, like, you know, like it sounds like common sense, but it wasn't. Um, and so I think once that kind of hit home for me, that I can be all of these things at once and that it was beautiful and it was who God intended me to be, it was kind of rebellious on my to my parents and their viewpoint, you know. But mm-hmm. I deleted it, Instagram, and I just started sharing all of the things. And I think that's kind of how my I want I want to say it's like a slogan, but like I want to do it all is like how I kind of look at life because I'm like there are no limitations except for the ones that you put on yourself. If you feel like you have skills or talents in writing and this and that, you can do it all. It might not be all at once. You know, but um, there's nothing that there's nothing to stop you except for yourself. So, that's kind of one how I now look at things. Mm -hmm. I might not be photographing people as much now because I'm in a pandemic or whatever. But I kind of changed my creativity to now going into like this content creator influencer realm because I'm like I want to pay my loans off, and yeah, I could possibly do this in a way that's still authentic to me, so it doesn't feel like I'm a walking ad. Mm -hmm. Started feeling what are real walking ad-ish a couple months ago but we're pivoting <laughs> and trying to make sure it makes sense you know because life is short so you want to make sure you're using your time um for the things that bring you joy and now i know you asked me a question that i don't think i answered it
0: <laughs> no i feel like you did though because i can't remember what the last question was because i was so wrapped up in what you were saying because it's something i've uh i've always felt so much too you know i really kind of started doing, I've always known that I, I wanted to, to be more, explore more, explore this creative side more, whether that was, you know, traveling or photography, uh, modeling, you know, whatever. Um, But I never thought I could do it. And, you know, for me, honestly, it was like my fiance had passed away. I was in a really dark place, but, you know, I was starting to kind of come out the other side and I wanted to, we had plans to move to Nashville and I ha- I was in this space of I want to do everything that scares me because life's too short. And so I was working full time as a nurse and I reached out to some modeling agencies because it was like, I'm just going to try a bunch of shit that I never thought I could do. um And that just kind of started helping me find all these different avenues that, you know, I was really passionate about. I was starting to write again. I was starting to dance again. And people are like, but you're a nurse. You know, like I'd post about these things and you're like, and they're like, but you're just a nurse. Like, you got to be careful. Like, people are going to be like, can you really be a nurse? And you're like modeling in these other things. And I'm like, why can't I do it all? You know, like, don't put me in a box. Like, I don't like, you know, and I think that's why so many people are not as fulfilled in their careers because they are so focused on this one aspect of their life, their work. It doesn't have to feel like work. Yeah. you can explore and like build these other parts of you and have them also be who you are.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And thank you so much for sharing, you know, um your story. I'm definitely sorry for your loss and I know that that hasn't been easy to navigate, but you've you you're basically just like a pillar of strength, you know, to be here and to be doing this and doing this podcast and providing information for you know other women in medicine of how they can break down barriers and go after things that they might have never thought that they could so thank you for being here
0: also say it is too early in the morning <laughs> i don't want to cry <laughs> but thank you for saying that i really that that really means a lot to me as well mm-hmm. and i just i love being able to just to get to know all these women too and share their stories and it just it just makes me happy. Again, this is something that scared me. And I was like, no, nope, I'm I'm just going to do it. <laughs> so, OK, so getting back um to questions at hand, what would you say has been like the most difficult part of med school and like the biggest challenge facing med students?
1: Well, I think the difficulties of med school can be different for each person. So I guess I can answer those in two different ways. I guess, first off, for me, the most difficult part of medical school um, was the first two years. And I will just preface it by saying that when institutions bring in students from diverse backgrounds Mm -hmm. who are deserving and qualified of the spot, people try to act as if, oh, she's black, she got in because of X, Y, and Z. No, honey. Very (laughs) qualified yes Um, (laughs) no one's just giving away medical medical student slots for this for the fun of it you know when I that for for schools that are bringing in people from diverse backgrounds when medicine is historically uh, a field for the majority in this country because of all the cost prohibitive um, things to get to that acceptance Mm -hmm. um, that it is on the educators it is on the institution to make sure that they're staff their faculty the teachers the folks that are interfacing with the students are appropriately trained to instruct them mm-hmm. it's not as simple as i know how to teach the krebs cycle or whatever because so many uh students from that are that are minorities within the country come into school and, are, and face like micro or macro aggressions mm-hmm. and deal with folks that don't understand that they are racist so it's it's not that it's okay, but you are racist. You should claim it and you should learn how to address it, you know, it's just mm-hmm. and understand that they have biases, whether it's towards women or whatever. Everyone has biases. There are things that, that you are brought up with that you might not even notice like, oh, I think I have bias towards skinny people because everybody in my family was larger. So when I see a skinny person, I think, oh, do you eat? You know what I'm saying? Everybody yeah. has, uh, everyone has biases. Even I do most, I think most of them are, might be implicit. Like you don't even know you have it until someone points it out. And Mm -hmm. if you're open enough, you'll be like, oh, whoa, wait, yeah, crap. I didn't notice that, you know? And so being in medical school, especially the first two years, I had to deal with someone that I had to spend a lot of time with, even on like a one-on-one basis that had a lot of biases and a lot of insecurities that negatively impacted my ability to get my education that I was paying 83 grand for. And so that was the most difficult part of med school. And that's unfortunate that that, that one person was the most difficult part of medical school for me. I haven't really talked about it too much. There is a story on my, on my website called hair talk. And that was just one singular incident. This is something Mm. that I dealt with like on a daily basis for a while. But I think that would be the biggest challenge. Um, and I think that might be the biggest challenge to minority students too. You come in confident. If you, I mean, hopefully you come in confident and know like I earned this before imposter syndrome tries to slap you in the face, but it doesn't help when medical school is already difficult. It's already a stressful situation for you to come in and there's someone else telling you negative things again and again and again and again you're just dealing with microaggressions and trying to figure out how do I navigate this okay is it my job now to educate folks on 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 issues around black communities because you think I'm the sole spokesperson person for black communities and I'm the sole spokesperson for poor poor communities when maybe I didn't actually come from a poor community you know or maybe okay. I you know so there's a there's a lot there's a lot of nuances to that
0: No I I'm just I'm glad that you shared that uh and I it just shouldn't be on on you to explain everything, to explain racism, to explain why people can't say certain things, to be like the sole spokesperson for a certain community. So I just, I just want to thank you for, you know, all the, all the time and energy you have invested in that so far. But like, I feel like the, the resources are more than out there and available now for you know someone like myself for for a white woman to do that research that weight shouldn't just be placed solely on on you or other persons of color
1: yeah I agree for sure it's something that I think some of us are starting to call the minority tax I'm sure people are doing papers and research on it now but it's it's it was it was definitely an unfortunate experience that I think I'm still I think I'm almost fully on the other side but it took a lot of you know work and therapy mm-hmm. to just like remind myself who the heck I am because yeah you know it's yeah it can be it can be very uh detrimental to your your confidence and your i think your image of yourself and what you're capable of when someone is telling you that you're not that you're not doing well that you're weak or, or whatever but in terms of like your other question Um, What I think is a difficulty for med students now, I mean, I think it's going to med school in a pandemic. I can't Mm -hmm. can't even imagine what it would be like to start med school now and have to be online and not have had the time to meet your class and to find out who your new support system is going to be at your new school, especially for those people that had to move. Like, I cannot imagine what what that would be like, you know, to just be doing med school through a computer like anatomy through a computer I couldn't I I I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy honestly <laughs> like at least for me I went to med school my sister and I got into the same one of the same med schools, so we both oh, chose that's to go right. there. Mm-hmm. yeah it was such a gift but like for those that are alone like med- med- medicine is already kind of isolating you know kind of isolate you from your family because you have to study so much and your friends because you don't have as much time to give as you used to but Just with this added layer, I can't even, I can't even imagine what that would be like. And especially for those of us that are fourth years now, this is supposed to be like the victory lap, like the time where you're, you're celebrating that you finished, you made it through the board exams, you applied to residency, Mm -hmm. and now you're interviewing, like you're supposed to be able to travel and visit the new city that you might live in, walk through the hospital, like see if the feel is good.
0: Do you yeah. connect
1: with the residents, your future coworkers? Like, is this a good vibe for you? That's kind of hard to assess through Zoom. I mean, it's yeah. really difficult. So yeah, we're saving money on flights. A lot of people used to take out credit cards just to fund or cover um, this residency process, unless your parents are rich, which there's a lot of those too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of people would have to do a lot of things to get to be able to interview at enough programs. Like, can you imagine if I had if I had to interview at these past eleven places? None of them yeah. were in the same place. They're on opposite ends of the country: south, n- northeast, west. You know what I'm saying? Like, to have to pay for those flights, for those Ubers, for for the hotels or the Airbnbs I'd have to stay at.
0: Oh the my food, gosh!
1: Like all of those little things. You have to
0: take up, take out a loan just for that. Like as if mental wasn't expensive yeah. enough.
1: Yeah. A lot of people take out an extra loan or apply to apply for credit cards, like right before the season. So they can have a new credit card and just rack it up and pay it off later. So, I mean, it's a difficult, it's a, it's like, so there's, there's pros and cons to what we're going through now.
0: Mm-hmm. I will
1: say, of course, I love a good in-person situation. I think I'm an in-person experience, you know, a <laughs> to get a chance um, but I'm at least going to try to visit like my top places, my top cities, um, and see what feels right.
0: Yeah, I I just love talking to you. So really, I shouldn't I shouldn't be so bitter at Zoom for creating <laughs> an experience that I get to talk to you again. But uh, I'll also say I just wanted to say thank you again. Where can people find you? Because you, y'all need to look at her blog. You need to read her blog. You need to look at all of her photos. And, you know, maybe order one or two. Sorry, I'm plugging you right now. Like, <laughs> some of these prints and be like, you know, what? this is this is my dream print for where I'm going to go after COVID. You know?
1: <laughs> like, yeah. Just a, just a, a suggestion.
0: Just a suggestion. You don't have to do it. This is not a paid advertisement. Um <laughs> but, <laughs> Tell everyone where they can find you.
1: Yeah, so you can definitely find me on Instagram. I think that's the place I'm most frequenting these days um, at O-S-O-S-E-E. Um, you can also visit my website um, at O-S-O-S-E-O-B-O-H.com. That's my name, say Obo. But I mean, if you go to my Instagram, everything's linked um, in my bio. So you can, you can just type there, honestly. Awesome. Well, thank you.
0: I hope you have a great rest of your day.
1: (laughs) Uh, No problem. Thanks for having me. It's good talking to you.
0: Good talking to you too. So, so grateful to Asase for making the time to speak to me today again. (laughs) And if you aren't already following her, please follow her on Instagram at O-S-O-S-E-E. And please go to her blog. I mean it. She's a very, very gifted storyteller and has a beautiful way of writing. And the photos, y'all, she is something else. I've got really big things in store for season three. Oh my God, season three. But I am trying to work out some things with Patreon to be able to offer ad-free episodes, some incredible new merch. Oh my God, guys, I'm so excited to share this new merch with you. And please put it out there, some visual episodes. Fingers crossed. All right, enough rambling from me. Thank you all for supporting this podcast. I love you. Till next week, WOMED out.